a good time for us to be looking at stewardship because Thanksgiving's coming up and we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving with family and friends and uh, we're going to be thanking God for our blessings. So now is a good time for us to look to take a look at what God's word says about giving. What what does the scriptures say about our material blessings, the material resources that God has entrusted to us, and what is our response to Him? So, uh, if you've looked at the back of your bulletin or your 3C Life Weekly, you see our, our both our series big idea and then today's big idea. First is our series big idea: what you keep is all you have; what you give away is what God multiplies. Because God, when we, receive, when we give an offering to God, God doesn't just take it and add it to His kingdom. God receives our offering and He multiplies it exponentially. So it's not just adding, it's multiplication, what God does with our offerings and how He uses it for His kingdom. So that's the overarching idea for, the, for today and the next two weeks. And then our big idea for today, God must be first in every area of our life, including our giving. But uh, in looking at God being first in every area of our life with our giving, there is an elephant in the room that we need to acknowledge. And the elephant in the room that we need to acknowledge is Fear. Because fear says, I'm afraid that I will have too much month left over at the end of the money. Fear says, Lord, I want to give, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I give, then there won't be enough. Because what happens if the transmission on my car goes out? Or what happens if I go to the doctor and the doctor says, you need surgery? Or, Lord, you know my heat pump is 15 years old and, and what happens if that thing finally dies? Uh, Lord, what happens if either me or my spouse gets laid off from their job? So what then? Lord, I want to give. I want to help others, but I'm afraid there won't be enough to pay my bills and, and to, to put some aside for later and to have a cushion in case an emergency arises. So we have our fear. We have our big idea. God says, I want to be first in every area of life, including your giving. So we find that our, our big idea and our big fear are bumping into each other. Our, our faith and our fear are, are running into each other. So what's going to happen? Which is going to win out when our fear and our faith collide? Which of those two is going to win out? Will it be our faith or will it be our fear? Which will we let come out on top, our faith or our fear? Well, now that we've acknowledged the elephant in the room, we're going to take a look at, at some of what God says in His Word. And we'll start with Exodus 13. Uh, before I read this passage from Exodus 13, I want to just say a little bit about the context. God has set the Israelite people free from captivity in Egypt. 
and they are on their way towards the promised land of freedom. It'll be a long time before they get there, but, but they're on their way. And so God has rescued them from captivity and He's delivered them towards freedom and joy. And on the way, God is teaching His people how He wants them to respond. And God says, I want you to consecrate to Me the firstborn of your animals and of your children. And what that means is that God says, I want you to consecrate your animals through their death by sacrificing the firstborn animal. And I want you to consecrate the firstborn children with their life. I want you to take an animal and sacrifice it on behalf of the children of the baby. So we'll take a look at that. In Exodus 13, beginning with verse 1, so you can follow along on the wall or in your Bible or on your electronic device, whatever you choose. The Lord said to Moses, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever is the first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. And then in verse 12, You shall set apart to the Lord all that first opens the womb. All the firstborn of your animals that are males shall be the Lord's. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb, or if you will not redeem it, you shall break its neck. Every firstborn of man among your sons you shall redeem. So God has set His people free from slavery and suffering, and He's also delivered them towards freedom and joy. So God says, consecrate. Consecrate your animals. Sacrifice the firstborn. Consecrate the firstborn son. Sacrifice an animal on behalf of the baby. And you think, well, but we don't have to do animal sacrifices today. No, we don't. Because 2,000 years ago, God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And Jesus in His sacrifice on the cross is the ultimate sacrifice for the world for all time. There can be no better sacrifice ever again. So we don't have to kill animals anymore in that way. Uh, Jesus is the supreme sacrifice. He came to set us free, you and me free, from slavery to sin and death and also to deliver us towards freedom and joy in Christ. So God says, because I sent my son to you, I gave you my best, I want you to give me your best. I want to be first in your life in every area of your life, including your giving. And so the Bible talks about giving God our first fruits. And there are a couple of places I want to share that with you. The first I want to look at is from Exodus 23, the first part of verse 19. Exodus 23, the beginning of verse 19 says, The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. And then in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Proverbs 3, beginning with verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. So God is saying... Bring me the very best of what comes in. Give it to me first, right off the top. And I will bless your income. I will make sure you have enough. You will have more than enough. 
And so this idea of, of very best. Suppose that you have an apple orchard and you get a crop of apples. The first bunch that comes in, very best is just what it sounds. The most mouth-watering apples, the biggest, the prettiest ones, those are the ones that God once consecrated to Him. It is not enough to say, God, here are the ones I won't give to you. The ones that are the smallest. The ones that have worms in them. You know, the ones that have those dark, squishy places on the backside. It's not enough to say, God, I won't give those to you. God says, I want the very best. If you were to sell your apples at a farmer's market, which ones would be bought first by the public? When people come up, and of course, they're going to pick the best ones that are available. The very first ones purchased by the public at a farmer's market, those are the ones God says, I want you to consecrate to me. I want you to give to me. I want your very best. Because God says, I gave you my very best. I gave you my son Jesus. There's no greater gift I can give you than that. Then there's the matter of off the top. And here's where our fear bumps into our faith. Because our, our fear says, well, God, I want to wait and see how big the harvest is. Let me see if I get ten bushels of apples, and then if I get ten, I will give you one bushel as a tithe. But faith says, Lord, I'm going to give you that very first bushel of apples without knowing how many more will come in. I might not get any more. I might get two more bushels. I might get 50 more bushels. I don't know how many more I'll get, but I'm going to give you the first one because I'm going to trust you. Because God gave to us first off the top. Romans 5.8 says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we ever gave God a passing thought, He gave us His Son Jesus. He sent Jesus to die for us before we ever gave Him a passing thought. He gave to us His very best and He gave to us first off the top. And God says, that's how I want you to respond to Me because I've already set the example for you. And so these principles of very best and off the top play out in the story of Cain and Abel. Now this is a story that I first learned when I was a little boy. But it wasn't until I really got to, to studying it recently that I, I think I, I have a, a more fuller appreciation of this story that I never had appreciated until now. Adam and Eve, their first two sons, Cain and Abel. Cain was a farmer. Abel tended flocks. They both brought an offering to God. But the Scripture says God looked on Abel's offering with favor, but on Cain's offering He did not look with favor. Why is that? Take a look at that in Genesis chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. Genesis 4, 3 through the first part of verse 5. In the course of time, 
Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So let's look at the principle of off the top. Scripture says in the course of time Cain brought his offering. That means he brought the offering whenever he got good and ready. In the course of time. The planets aligned first and then he brought in his offering. He brought it on his timetable whenever it suited him. In contrast, Abel brought the firstborn of his flock. As soon as the animal was born, God, here it is. Abel didn't wait to see how many more animals might be born to that female. The first animal was born. God, here it is. Right off the top. Then there's the principle of very best. Not only did Cain take his sweet time in bringing his offering to the Lord when he did finally get good and ready to show up and give it, the Scripture says he gave an offering. It didn't say the best. It didn't say first fruits. It said an offering. Now, does that mean that, that Cain brought the tiniest or the ones with worms or the big, dark, squishy places? No, not necessarily. But it also means he didn't bring the very best either. He probably brought the ones that were the middle of the road, the average apples, ordinary, nothing extra. But the blue ribbon, the, the apples that would win the blue ribbon at the fair... You know, those are the ones he kept and said, I'm going to keep these so my wife can use them to make a pie. And God, but I'll just give you these ordinary ones over here. In contrast, Abel brought to God the fat portions from his flock. In other words, Abel said, God, I'm going to give you the filet mignon and I will keep the hamburger steak for myself. And so God looked at Abel, and He looked at Cain, and God said, I will accept and bless your offering, and you... And so Cain got mad. And he took it out on his brother and killed him. But it was the attitude. It was the attitude that was the difference. So in terms of giving the very best off the top, how does this apply to our money? Well, there are several scriptures that, that talk about the concept of tithing. And one of those is Leviticus 27, verse 30. And it says... Every tithe of the land is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So the word tithe means a tenth, one tenth, ten percent. 
And so God says, the tithe belongs to me. So when you give, the first 10% you give, you're returning what's mine. And then the rest above that is your offering. But the tithe belongs to me. Now we might be thinking, well, wait a minute. But Leviticus 27, verse 30, that's in the Old Testament. And that's part of the law. And Jesus has come, and now we're under grace. And so we're under grace. That means we're no longer under the law. So we don't have to worry about this standard, do we? We don't have to pay attention to 10%, do we? I don't think so. I think we do have to pay attention to it, and here's why. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 17, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. A little bit later on, a few verses down from that, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, You've heard it said, Don't murder, thou shalt not kill. I say to you, don't hate your brother or sister. Don't stay angry at your brother or sister. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say to you, if you look at another person lustfully, you have already committed adultery with them in your heart. Grace exceeds the law. Grace goes farther than what the law says. And so if we say, well, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace, well, good. Because when we apply that to tithing, that means that 10% is not the ending point of of your giving. It's the starting point. 10% is not the ceiling of our giving. It's the floor. It's where we start, not where we stop. Grace goes farther than the law. And that's Jesus. He said, I didn't come to abolish it, but to fulfill it. So God says, bring me the very best of what comes in first, right off the top, and I will bless it. I will bless your income. I will bless your resources. And I will make sure you have enough. You have more than enough. I will not let you go under. But again, our fear keeps bumping into our face. And our fear says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know about that. Now here's an example. Suppose suppose that you do some work for me and and after all your expenses are covered, your profit is $1,000. So I hand you 10 $100 bills. So all your expenses are covered. This is your profit free and clear, $1,000. 10 $100 bills. Now, what does God say? What does faith say? Give me your very best off the top. So, which one do we give God first? Faith says it'd be the first one that leaves my hand. But fear says, I don't know about that. I, I, he, he, let me take all ten of these bills. 
and, and I'm going to go and I'm going to pay my mortgage or my rent. I'm going to pay my car payment. And I'm going to pay Visa and Verizon and Comcast and the utility company because I don't want my lights cut off. Got to put gas in the car. Got to have food. Got to go to the grocery store. And of course, you know, I have to give new shoes to the children. And then we pay everything we know to pay. And then we see what's left over for the Lord. And sometimes there's not a whole lot left. Sorry, God, that's all I got. That's fear. Faith says, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're always faithful to your word, and I'm going to give you that first Ben Franklin. I'm going to give you that first $100 and trust that with the remaining 900 you will make it possible to do what I need to do. Because faith says, I know that Netflix and Walmart cannot multiply my resources. But Almighty God can. So, how are we going to respond to this? Some of us will receive a bonus for Christmas or at the end of the year. We get that Christmas bonus or that year-end bonus. So when you get that, if you get one of those, what are you going to do with it? How will your faith impact your use of that money? What will your response be? January 1, your income may go up for 2015. If your income goes up, what will your response be? You get a little bit more money in your paycheck. Will you say, God, you've, you've entrusted a little bit more to me, so my giving's gone up, my income's gone up, so my giving's going to go up? Or are you going to say, well, that's great, i got a little bit more in my pocket, and I'm just going to just give you in 2015 the same thing I gave you in 2014, which, by the way, was the same thing I gave you in 2013 and 2012 and 2011 and 2010 and so on. In other words, God, my income is going up like this, but I'm just going to keep giving you the same thing I've given for the last 10 or 15 years because I'm Joe Consistency. Do we want God to look at our offering like Cain? Or do we want God to look at our offering like Abel? And we, we, we control which way He looks at that because it's, it's, this is a heart issue. This is an attitude issue. This isn't about money, ultimately. This is about faith. This is about how things really stand between us and God. So God takes a look at, at what we give and how we give it and when we give it. And when God looks at that, that's like a spiritual blood test. 
You know, you go and you have blood drawn, and then you go see the doctor, and the doctor says, okay, here are the numbers, here, here are your lab results, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I mean, there it is. The numbers are in black and white. They don't lie. And God takes a look at us, and He examines where we are. You know, God looks at our amount, He looks at our attitude, and He looks at the timing, and that's like an MRI of our soul. And then God sees where we really are. Where does He really stand? We say, God, I put you first. Well, this is one area where the rubber really hits the road. And God says, this is where it really is. This is the MRI of your soul. This is the blood test of your spirituality. Earlier this year, my family made some some hard decisions. We've been tithing, and we intend to continue tithing, and we are. And I don't say that to brag on myself, but to say I I thank God for, for enabling us to do that. But earlier this year, we cut back on certain expenses so that we could continue to tithe. There is a magazine that I really love. I have read this magazine for 20 years. And I canceled my subscription. Because I had to ask myself, who do I love more, this football magazine or God? If you come to the Brannock household and you turn on TV, you will find the, the, the very basic, the lowest level cable package you can find. Do I miss TV land? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and there are channels that my wife misses, and there are channels my daughter, oh, we don't have it anymore. Yeah, it's, yeah we've all had to, to give up things we want to see. But I had to make a choice. We as a family had to make a choice. Which did we love more, TV land or Jesus? And God showed us these are ways you can cut back to redirect your spending so that you're not spending anymore, but you're able still to tithe. So that God isn't shortchanged. It wasn't easy. I'm not going to say that it is. It's not. But we made the choice as a family. We would rather God look upon our offering like Abel than like Cain. Now, if you really want to tithe, God will enable you to do so. If you want to, God will make it possible. God says, This is what I want you to do. Here's my standard and you say, Lord, I want to do this, He will make a way for you to be faithful to His standards in Scripture. He will. Sometimes the way God will do that is He will supernaturally bless the income side of things. And you begin to tithe if you're not already, and, uh, and, or if you are tithing, but, but, but either way, you may find, wow, this, this check comes in the mail. I didn't expect it. Or you may find that uh, you get an inheritance you didn't know was coming. Or, or you may find you walk into work and, good news, you're getting a raise. You didn't see it coming. 
Who knows? There's a thousand ways God could supernaturally bless the income side of your situation to make it possible for you to tithe and to bless your finances and to reward you for doing that. And this isn't, I'm going to give so I can get rich. Don't hear that. I'm not saying that. This is so that we're able to be faithful to His Word. But sometimes God says, for right now the income side's not going to go up, but let's take a look at redirecting the spending side of things, which is what He did in our family. And that's hard to do because you know we love to treat luxuries as necessities. You know, we think, well, I really like that and I don't want to have to do without that. Therefore, in my mind, it's a necessity. And God says, no, that football magazine is not a necessity. You know, those, those channels are not a necessity. Like, okay. Or maybe a combination. I don't know. But if you want to tithe and you're not already doing that, God will make a way for you to do that. Or He'll make a way for you to keep doing that. Well, what if you say, well, Lord, I, I've, I've cut back to the bone. I don't know anywhere else I can redirect my spending. I, I just it, Things are just so tight. I just don't know how I can do this. H- how, can I, how can I give a tithe? How can I give 10% right off the top without knowing... I mean, how's I, how, how am I going to handle everything else? Let me ask you this. Have you ever taught a child to swim in the deep end of the pool? I remember long ago when my little girl was afraid to swim in the deep end of the pool. She was fine in the shallow end, but get her on the other side of that rope, she was afraid. Because she didn't want to sink. And I didn't want her to sink. So she's on the side of the pool. And we decide she's old enough. She's ready. She's a good enough swimmer. She can handle this. So I'm out in the middle of the deep end. And, and I'm treading water. Honey, swim to Daddy. Daddy, I can't. Yes, you can. Daddy, I'm afraid. Sweetheart, come on. You can do this. Daddy, I'm scared. I can't do this. Yes, you can. Mommy's right there on the side. I'm out here in the middle. I love you more than life itself. I promise you I will not let you drown. If you start to go under, I will hold you up. I will keep you up. You will not sink. You will not drown. I promise you, honey, I love you more than life itself. I will not let you drown. I will take care of you. I'm your father. I promise you that. So finally she let go of the side. She pushed off and she swam towards me. Got all the way out to the middle. She didn't sink once. And when she got to where I was, the smile on her face would have lit up this room. Once she realized that she could do that, she became a fish. Oh gosh, she loved the deep end. I mean, now she could enjoy all the blessings of the deep end of the pool and she could go off the diving board and swim around and she didn't have to be afraid. She saw she could do that. She saw that her daddy did not let her go under. 
and she realized, I can do this. I didn't think I could, but I found that I can. If you're not yet tithing, if you're not yet given 10% off the top, your Father in Heaven says, I'm here in the deep end of the financial pool. Swim to Me. I know you're afraid. Swim to Me. I promise I won't let you go under. I won't let you drown. This isn't about money. It's about faith. It's about trust. God says, will you put me first in every area of your life, including this important area of giving? Because it affects so much of life. So when we leave here today, we have a question to answer. Which will come out on top? Our faith or our fear? Which will we let have the biggest impact in the kingdom of God? Our fear or our faith? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, let us pray.